What I love about fashion is that it's it's a trade and it's a function. It's almost like being a carpenter. You know, people need clothes to wear and then balancing that with creativity, you know, bringing those two things together make fashion and I find that really exciting. Welcome to Fashion for Breakfast. I'm Gianluca Longo and today I'll be joined by fashion designer Simone Rocha. So today I'm wearing a piece from my own collection, which is a black tulle with pale pink and green flowers, and then also patchwork with a red peony cloquet. Simone joins me here at Little House to discuss her fashion heritage, her influences, and how she balances being a mother and a designer. Good morning. Thank you all for coming. I welcome you, everyone here, and uh, Simon Rocha, that is our fashion for breakfast. Um, and I'm very happy to have Simon here today because, uh, first of all, I'm a very big fan of your fashion. Um, and Simone has also got a fantastic history. Her father, John Rocha, was one of the most important and most acclaimed fashion designers in London. And um, when I read the, you know, the, the press release, I said, how shall I start the researching on Simone Rocha? There is this phrase, rebellious, but at the same time romantic. And it's true, actually. Our collections have got this uh, dichotomy of strong, hard, but always a bit soft. We're from the use of materials to the use of the colors. Um, there is always this uh, bit of eccentricity in it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what has made her the big star of London Fashion Week. You graduated with a BA in fashion from the National College of Art and Design in Dublin. Yes. And then uh, you came to London and uh, had an MA at Central St. Martins. Now, my usual question when I do fashion for breakfast is, how did you start? But maybe this time, should I say, being the daughter of John Rocha, how did this start? It's funny because from the outside it looks like it was always meant to be this way, but it was actually unbelievably natural. I grew up in Dublin, but obviously my parents are fashion designers, so I kind of grew up in the studio. I was hanging out there as a kid, and then when I was 11, I started working there. So I just started kind of helping out, started teas and coffees, and then ended up working with fabrics, working with pattern cutters, etc. So I was just kind of always around it, but never thinking, oh, I want to be a fashion designer. I just actually, I was terrible in school, and I was much more practical. So I really liked being in the studio, doing things with my hands. So that's kind of how it all started. Originally. And how was the atmosphere then, um, you know, surrounded by models and, you know, your father and the, the design team? So exciting. Just so exciting to be around so many different types of people, so many different nationalities, you know what I mean? And yeah, it was an amazing experience, but it was totally normal, you know? Exactly, but how is the, how was the Dublin fashion scene? I want to really call it a scene. <laughs> um, my dad always showed internationally, he always showed in London for women's and showed in Paris for men's. So every six months we would travel to London or Paris to do the shows. It was really interesting as well because it could be a really creative kind of safe place. You know, it was just about creating this work without kind of comparing yourself to everyone else in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why the decision to study art? Did um, you study fashion or? Um, like I said, I wasn't that academic. Yeah. So um, I was like, I'd really like to go to art college. And I went in originally thinking that I wanted to do fine art okay. and I wanted to do sculpture or fine art print. 
I was doing all the different disciplines and then at the very end I was like ah fuck it I should probably try the fashion one and when I went and did it I was like oh no I was like this is definitely how I can translate my emotions into physical things is actually through dress and then I decided to specialize in fashion and then when I finished I was like oh maybe I'll go and travel or go and work for somebody and it was actually my dad that said to me he was like you know if you really want to do this you need to be the best trained you can be one you need to get out of Ireland you need to get out of under my shadow and you need to go learn for yourself what you want to do and you need to be taught by the best and the best is Louise Wilson yeah. so you should try and get on her course yeah. and I did which was amazing I didn't get in the first time round and up on a waiting list and it was terrible because a girl in my class got in yeah, and I was like Ugh. and then you know being the daughter of John Ross <laughs> and I was like but like Louise, we ended up being very, very close. And she yeah. was like, ha, I've got John Rush's daughter. I'm going to kick the shit out of her. I exactly. Like, oh, yeah, I was, literally, my next question would have been, how was, because, you know, <laughs> when you arrived there, I'm sure when you said you're the daughter of John Rush, what, what was the reaction? Well, it, it's really funny because Louise is, her initial would to be really cruel to people. Yes. But for me, she just did the point blank opposite and completely ignored me. And it's like, please. Just tell me I'm shit. Like, I was like, come on. Tell me something. And, like, and she was just like, just point blank ignored me for months. But it was absolutely amazing. And she made me work hard for it. And I actually 100% wouldn't be the designer I am without her. And she really, you know, was like, I don't care where you've come from or what you do, it's what is your identity. And that's why my clothes are very personal. They really come from me and the aesthetic is how I feel about fabrications and silhouettes. Yeah. She gave me a lot of strength to believe in myself to do that. I was wondering, going back to your father's studio and you know, seeing some of the design, which said, oh, I would have done it differently, or that, why don't you do this way rather than that? Did you ever give a little bit of uh, being yes. criticizing your dad in a way? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, like I was a big fan of the reject rail. So, um, <laughs> so anything that was rejected, I was allowed to have. So all the skirts, then I'd host them up like dresses or put straps onto them. And then, you know, if he had it as a big volume on the bottom, I was like, what about a big volume on top? I was very lucky that I was allowed to play with the reject rail, which I still do now in my own collections. Always recycling and chopping up old twalls and putting them back together and putting them on back to front and upside down and seeing how they feel on the body. But that was because, yeah, I was allowed to use the reject rail. Yeah. And that was your um, final collection? My final collection in Dublin and my final collection for my MA and what I do today still has a very common thread running through it. My final collection in Dublin was inspired by the artist Louise Bourgeois, uh -huh. whose work I feel very connected to. And it was kind of her drawings that had exposed bones within bodies and I was trying to expose all the inside of garments. So that's why I started working in tulle and I was doing all this men's tailoring and showing all the canvas inside. And then when I went to St. Martin's, I kind of went around the houses. And by the time that I came to my degree collection, it was quite similar ethos. And so when did you graduate? Six years ago. Okay. Yeah. What was the jump between, you know, St. Martin MA into London Fashion Week? Who was the person who said, okay, she, she, she's the one, she's gonna make it? It was Lulu Kennedy from Fashion East. Mm -hmm. So what had happened was 
Like I said, I was kind of off the boat from Dublin and I didn't really know actually that much about Fashion East. And in my head, it was like super colourful and really loud and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, like I didn't think it'd be something that like my whole collection was black and it was this uh, tool tailoring. But Lulu actually um, rang me up and said, I didn't meet her at the show or at the exhibition. And she said, you know, I saw it. Would you come in and meet me? And I said, yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I went and met her and she said, would you like to be a part of Fashion East? And I was like, yes, please. Um, so I ended up showing that um, that season uh, with Fashion East. And and showed with them your, exactly, what's your, your graduate collection? No, I had done a new collection, but it was very much an interpretation of my graduate collection. It was pretty much the same collection in white. <laughs> Which a lot of people, it's, it's, you're in such an incubator and then you come out and then you're exposed to all these people. It's very hard to get your head around it quite quickly. So, How did you feel like, you know, being um, always in, in the cocoon of your father's family, the studio, then a school, you know, and then all of a sudden expose yourself to the world, you know, like a fashionist. How was it? Um, the, f the first two seasons, the fashionist seasons, it didn't really feel like it was happening because you were part of a collective and I also didn't really have stockists. I just kind of felt I was still rolling out of college and it was actually only until my third season, which I kind of, in my head, rate as my first, first season, season yeah. was when I showed off schedule in Portland Place and it was all plastic and lace trapped together. That kind of felt like I was really doing it for myself. And yeah, it was an amazing feeling, actually. Um, now, you just mentioned that you know, your first collection, Portland Place Off Schedule, was all about lace and plastic. Simone, as you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the collections, I'm sure you are. It's always been um, experimenting with different fabrics. Again, as I said, the hard and soft put together. And, you know, actually lace and plastic together was very much like something that was impactful because mm -hmm. you made it in such a wearable way. Mm -hmm. um, how important is for you researching different materials and how can you make it work on a dress or on, on an outfit? For me, the fabrication is so important because it's like your paint. You know, it's like it is your medium. And for me, I am really attracted to historical things and traditional fabrics, but then how can I make that interesting and stimulating? So what, how it starts is in the studio at the beginning of the season, you know, I look at all different types of research and I kind of, or I get out and it can be like, I'm really influenced by nature and the land, you know, the sea or seaweed. And then I was like, you know, maybe we can do wet lace. And you know, what's, if we're going to embellish it, what's a jewel of the sea? Okay, that's where pearls came from. So then maybe if I embed pearls within it, that gives it another texture. So it's almost like this kind of like, vomiting vocabulary that they all kind of like stem off one another and then it goes to a whole other layer because then how does it feel on the body and then how do they move you know because I, I don't really sketch I kind of design everything on the body oh, okay. so whether it's on a mannequin or on a model rather than everything being flat it's always very 3D, so that's why it kind of really goes hand in hand, the two together. Yeah, fantastic. So um, in today's uh, world where everything is so 
oriented online, people, you know, buying online, you create a website to sell, you know, a click and buy. Why the need to opening not one, but two shops, one in London in Mount Street and one in New York in Wooster Street? Why the need of it in, in today's world where everyone is so um, pushing to be more the presence online and selling online? It is true, you know, so much is online. Like, I buy all my groceries online. You know, like, it is a, a practical thing, but I wanted for my label to be able to bring everything into one place and show my story under one roof. Right. And really for it to be able to cement my identity and who I am and all the different things that I do that are part of the world, whether it's shoes or bags or clothes or collaborative projects, just to share that with people and to bring people into a space. Um, yeah. Simon, now, for, you know, starting seven years ago and, you know, the name Simon Roche has now become a um, hot ticket for London Fashion Week. Everyone wants to come to your show. I mean, the, your shows are always fantastic presentations. When do you think in the last seven years was the breakthrough moment? I mean, was it the press or was it the commercial? It was not the press. <laughs> it was, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> sorry. It was actually um, when I met Adrian Joffe and Reika Gubu of Comedy Garth on Dirt Street Market. Mm -hmm. So what had actually happened was when I graduated, I wasn't very on trend. It was very graphic, very colorful, very body gone. And what I was doing was slightly different aesthetic, especially in London. So I felt a little bit out of place, which was absolutely fine. But I was like, I was going to keep my head down. And then when I got dropped from Fashion East and decided to show off schedule, I kind of was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it the way that I, I want to do it. I ended up being invited to Milan by Vogue Italia. There's where I met Anna Wintour and obviously Sarah Mower and I ended up meeting Adrian and um, showing him my collection. You know, we had a really good chat. Anyway, I went to Paris to a showroom and I was there and Adrian and Dickon came back in and were like, oh, we want someone to meet you. And it was Ray. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, oh dear. Um, but it was, it was amazing because it just felt like we were speaking the same language. And they said, you know, they really believed in what I did and would I be interested in selling in Dover Street Market. So that for me was actually the real turning point. Mm -hmm. I've built my business really partnering with stores and looking after those relationships. And then it's been amazing working with them, you know, ever since. Great. Um, and talking about your collections that, that have always been striking and so beautiful, um, the accessories also are a big part of your um, of your line in a way. I mean, I remember the plastic brogue with the, the twisted heel, the tights with the pearls um, yes. on the back. Is any of those become like an iconic piece for Simon Roche? I mean, do you think that, you know, you're going to repeat that accessory forever because it's part of you? It's... Yes, like, for example, the Perspex brogue, we do like the first time I did it, no one really understood. They were like, are they walking on their tippy toes? But like now, and also it weighed a ton, but now it's um, it's much lighter. But I think that's been a signature that we always do as a classic. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of hand knit, hand crochet in the studio. So we're always doing the socks or the embellishment is all done in-house. So I think, yeah, they kind of do feel like classics. Mm -hmm. And um, your shows, I'm always very happy to come to your shows because now it's in you know, a Gothic cathedral and at the time it's a beautiful Lancaster house. And the last show um, in March, no, so in um, February, Mm -hmm. It was in London, had a different kind of women. Why the idea of having different ages and different body shapes on a catwalk? Because it is such a reality to what I do. 
We have, since I opened the stores, we dress so many different types of women. I wear it, my mother wears it. I don't think it matters what age you are, where you come from, what size you are. You know, you still want to wear something interesting and feel good in it. And it's just, that's how, like I was saying, that's how my business has grown. It's, I like it to be quite inclusive. And it just felt like, you know, we should show that in the show, you know, and use lots of different types of women from lots of different eras who looked just as good in the clothes. But it was really, I just wanted to show how people do really wear it. And having a shop, as mm -hmm. you said, you know, um, do you ever spend any time there to be like the shopkeeper? I actually, I am in the shops a lot. A lot of the time I just look like an intern. So I don't actually have to talk to customers, which is much better. Because uh, well, I'm not, to, I'm not to, a very. To yeah, I'm just like, because <laughs> um, I get a little bit nervous in like sales type situations. But I call the shops; they're like gardens. You really have to tend to them. You have to look after them. You have to nurture them. Um, so yeah, no, I do spend quite a lot of time there. Now, two days ago, you launched also a mini collection of T-shirts with uh, um, Jacob Lillis. Jeff yes. Price. Yes. Again, cars and flowers. Yes. So that is. <laughs> so our... what is it? The recurrent of cars and flowers, a recurrent theme. Why this obsession? I know it's 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 because it literally solidifies how I feel about like imagery and textiles all in one. So it's like an ongoing series that we keep doing, and it was for. Dover Street Market, Photo London. It was our second series, so there's a different foliage and different cars. So the first were all found, and then this was all peonies that were kind of on their way out and actually shot in my mother's old car. So yeah, it was just nice to be able to do a project for them as well because of Photo London. And he's a documentary photographer that is probably my long-term collaborator, and he's been documenting my collections for the last five years. Okay, um, are they still there? I mean, we can buy them? Yeah, I think they should be still there. Okay, good, okay. Now, last year you won the Fashion Award for British Women's Wear Designer. Yes. True. Um, how did that impact on your brand? I mean, these awards, do they really work or is just for publicity and glamour and... No, it, it, it's amazing actually. I was really proud to win it. And yeah, it, it is good for business, but it's really funny. It's all around, I just had a baby last year. So people keep being like, congratulations. And half the time I'm like, baby? And then they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, ah. So like, I probably seem really rude. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, she's fine. She's alive. And they're like, designer of the year. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. right. That thing, that thing as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not actually being rude. I'm just really tired. How old is, how old is your baby now? She's a year and a half. Oh, great. Yeah. And how do you juggle the time? I mean, you seem to be very busy between the shop in New York, shop in London, uh, collaborations, the street market, the research of plastic and the baby. Yeah. I mean, how do you juggle the time? Um, the I have a very nice boyfriend. <laughs> um, and I actually, my team are amazing. My design team are a wonderful support. And none of them have babies. So oh, that's okay. quite handy. <laughs> and I have a very nice minder. But it is a new challenge, I have to admit. But yeah, I know, it, it makes you very, very focused, so. Yeah. Now, in, in fashion, most of the designers are men mm -hmm. for some awkward reasons. I mean, nobody knows why. And you're one of the very few women's designers who makes clothes for women. You know, you, Stella McCartney, Phoebe Philo, um, Muccia, you know, Claire, Ray. Yeah, Ray, exactly. How does it feel? Do you think there is a difference between a man who designs clothes for women and a woman who designs clothes for women? 
I do, actually. And the designers I really respect are women like Muchi and like Ray, who are designing for women. I think there's something about putting your own physicality into what you do. You know, it just does give you an understanding. Like, I'm not sample size. And not everyone who buys my clothes are sample size. So you do have a, an understanding of how you want to feel personally and how you want things to feel on your body. And yeah, it really influences what I do. Yeah. And um, what's in the pipeline? What's next? Um, something is next, but I'm not really allowed to Ooh, talk about it. Okay. No. Um, you know, there's some things in the future. Are you going to design your own line of furniture? Um, you designed something for the shop, right? Yeah, we designed most of the furniture in the shop, but I just don't know if I want to get into more production of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Between jewellery, bags, shoes, clothes, our hands are pretty full. And a baby. And a baby. <laughs> um, I think we are running out of time. So the usual question that I say, if there was a student here, you know, young fashion designer or someone who's really wanted to break through fashion today. I mean, you're relatively young, only with seven years of collection. So what would be your advice or what would be your suggestion, you know, just to say how to make it? Well, one thing I think you really have to believe in your own identity and only do something because you believe in it, not because other people think it's cool or it's on trend. You know, I think you have to know whether no one likes it now. It, it has to be your identity. And the other thing is, I think you need to get loads of experience. I don't think you can be naive and think you're going to be the shit. I was very lucky. I could do lots of internships when I was studying. I know it's expensive and it, it's case dependent, but I was in design houses, I was in magazines, you know, and it just, it made the wealth of difference. Fashion is such a, a big word and there's so many different departments. Yeah. You know, I think that's really important to get loads of different types of experience, actually. Um, Simon, thank you very much. I think it's no been a really beautiful talk and thank you very much yeah. for coming. I think Simon is here for five more minutes yeah. for some questions, if there is any. Yeah. Is there any questions? Yes, there is. Hi, Simon. Uh, my name's Alistair. Um, what I'm interested in is um, how far away from the original idea is your end? It's funny, some, a lot of the time you almost come full circle. You almost have to go through the process and then you come back full circle. But I think some things, like I'm very decisive. So sometimes if I'm like, this is exactly what it's going to look like, straight away, that's it. It's very instinctive. And I don't think you should really second guess yourself too much. So I think it's fine to go through it, but you do kind of come back to your original thought. Is there any more question? Yeah, the one here. Yeah, um, my name is Kat and I've spent like in, f in fashion about 12 years and I've seen so many young designers and I'm trying to also to understand um, how they establish their business from the beginning, how you build up your team, mm -hmm. how difficult and who your trusted people who you work with. Um, well, for me, my design team is quite small and actually the main team is myself. Kim, Candice and Kirsty, and it's between one designer and two textile designers. And they actually all came to me as interns five years ago and have all grown into my team. They don't seem to want to leave, which is amazing. We have lots of different interns all the time and a lot of the time it grows into jobs. And if they're the right fit, you know, we try and find the right opportunity for them. Oh, good. Thank you very well, much. I think that's it. Thank you. Thank you.